AG Cam's interview aims to inspire, motivate, enlighten, and of course educate the youth of today for the days of tomorrow. Okay, so we're here for the second Edgy Camus, the second ever uh, Edgy Camus interview. Big thanks again to Doogie Bell for starting us off. Um, Edgy Camus interview is part of the Edgy Camus tuition brand, aimed at parents and children and youngsters alike um, to enlighten, motivate, inspire and of course educate. Um, and it's with that in mind, obviously Edgy Camus tuition is all about putting tutors into houses for any subject at any time, anywhere and anything. And as I say, Edgy Camus interviews an offshoot of that, of the Edgy Camus, Edgy Camus interviews an offshoot of the tuition brand. Um, we are here today at Talking Boz HQ <laughs> um, with Johnny Boyle. Hi Tony. Johnny Boyle, the founder of Talking Boz and a very good friend of mine. Tony, it's uh, good to be here. Yes, and good to be here in your own office. The, the, the boot is on you, the other you, foot. You make it sound like it's proper special, but it's like a wee room <laughs> with a lot of shit in it. <laughs> you like swearing this podcast? It's nah. what? No, yeah, swe- swe- no swearing this podcast? Swe- it's education with an age. Right, okay. So swearing is allowed. Um, no, I, I wanted to have you on, Johnny. We've obviously been friends for a, for a number of years as well. And you're the founder of Talking Boys, which I think is fair to say the number one independent sports website in Scotland. Hopefully. Yeah. I, I would think so. If, I suppose if you don't consider the papers as being independent, I suppose they're not because they're big they're like company owned, aren't they? But um, I suppose like there's a, maybe a couple that are similar to us, but we've definitely been doing it the longest and I'd like to think we're probably the best supported one. Well, we're the, actually the best one for people, I'm not so sure. I'm sure folk would have their, their opinions on it. Well, I've got a confession to make. I mean, it's an honour to be doing this with you, um, but I've always, I mean, I'm always delighted to say oh I'm a party that mm-hmm. I write articles oh, for you and, so, uh, and because and what I mean by that is as well is because it is a people know you um, so it was with that in mind that I thought it was a, I was delighted that you said yes to this interview mm-hmm. um, because as I say it's it's just to get some insights especially in this digital age um, I don't want you, you don't have to give away all your secrets of I course um, but just an idea of how you got to where you got to, what what the driving force. But I suppose to start off with, where I always start off, where did you go to school? I went to Our Ladies High School in oh. Cumberland. Our Ladies, so no far from where we are now. Which is the only school, one of the only schools that isn't getting done up or anything done to it? I think, I know we've always, I think people have always said this, it's had stuff done to it before, like little wee tiny improvements, but as far as I know it's like a proper listed building, Our Ladies High School. Right. I think. And I'm not sure whether that old listed building rule is still in effect, but I'm pretty sure that they can't do anything to it. At least they can't knock it down. I think they can add to it in places, which they've done in the past, but I don't think they can knock it down like they did Cumberland High, or I don't even know if they've knocked down completely. Well, they haven't. I know St. Morris's, they haven't knocked that down completely, but they've added onto that. But I, they can't, I don't think they can knock it down completely. I'm pretty certain they can't knock it down completely to rebuild something. So the way that looks just now is probably going to be, need to be the way it's always going to need to look. Very impo- it's a very imposing structure, ladies high school, isn't it? It's weird, it's, it, it looms over the rest of Cumberland a wee bit, when you're driving up the, the motorway, coming through Ockham Counts, it's, um, it looms over you, or at least it did when I was at school. Part of the concrete, concrete Cumberland, because Cumberland was built with concrete in mind, isn't it? Well, I don't know, I don't know how old our ladies is, in comparison to the rest of Cumberland, I'm assuming it's probably quite old, so it would have been among the first things built, yep. I think. Or at least in the first like 10, 15 years or whatever. So that's probably why it's so concrete. Well, Cumberland, I'm just thinking about my street now because it's mental how Cumberland's developed. This is going to be a bit, but Cumberland's only 30, 40 year old. 
Isn't it really? Uh, aye, aye, I suppose it is. Like for, it probably is. Uh, maybe, maybe a wee bit older than that, but aye, pretty much. 30, 40 year old. Like, it's not. Street, we were the f- no, let's say it's older than that. It's older than 30, 40 year, because I'm turning 30 yeah, next course, year. Yeah. Probably about 50. Yeah. Maybe just under that, I think. But I should really know. We should know that. We should know. Being that. couple elders, we should know. What's it called and all that? What's it called? Um, that's mental. And obviously, me thinking it's only 30 years old. I'm 34 and I've lived <laughs> here my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> it's at least 34 that years That is good old. maths for you. <laughs> um, good maths, good. And you've brought it back to educate yeah, Educate yourself. Yeah, I have. Brilliant. Um, so, Johnny, just give us... Was good school? Um, I enjoyed it. Like, all my... A lot of my pals that I have now still... Or that, that, that went there, I always felt like I was educated well at it and enjoyed the majority of my time there like I had some you know obviously I think we're obviously going to get on to it and football being a big part of my life so, you know that was probably where I learned the majority of the the, the that was where my football education was I suppose as well as like my my actual academic education yeah. was so uh, I enjoyed it and then obviously like, I did the personal experiences I got fit with the, my pals that I had there and just the school in general was really good like not particularly close I come from Abram Hill it's not particularly close to where the school is but apart from the bus journey early in the morning to get there which wasn't a big one but apart from that it was a brilliant place to go to school so hopefully you know it doesn't vanish at all because I know Abram Hill High's went Cumberland High's been changed into a bit yep. of super school and there's a lot of different schools that go to it now but hopefully our ladies will always be there so I enjoyed it Favourite um, subject? <sighs> Ooh favourite subject you know, when I was younger, I'd probably say modern studies was my favourite. Yep, um, modern studies is brilliant. And I think there's probably a lot of people that love modern studies, but I definitely love modern studies. Um, and I can't quite put my finger on why. My mum always says, like, he wanted to be the Prime Minister when he was younger. Yep. And uh, I can't remember that, to be fair. But I just seem to, I, I like talking. And I think when you, you do like solo talks and stuff like that, quite a lot of modern studies and... Um, it wasn't until maybe got a wee bit older that I lost a little bit more interest in it. But I think the fact that I've got into journalism in some ways probably been helped by modern studies, obviously English as well. I was much better at this, the the uh, sorry the subjects that required the other part of my brain. I'm not sure what side of my brain or, or what part of my brain, but the part that involves words and um, not so much the mathematic and kind of problem solving side of it. And I was always I always quite liked art as well. Actually, I was always pretty decent at that well two points about that because you often find when I'm going out to tutoring or sending tutors out most kids are either social sciences and English or as you say parts of brain or maths and sciences and people's brains are wired it's bizarre I find that bizarre I I find it bizarre there are there's some anomalies with that of course you get all rounders I think my my fiance is pretty um, I always say this to her like she only was one or the other she's like no I was good at English and I was good at maths I think she's just swatted at school and there's obviously you get some like pretty gifted they don't need to do a job they don't need to do anything they probably don't need tuition which, no. but this podcast is named at those folk no. it's aimed at those folk that or they struggle. could then become tutors or they could become tutors aye but it's aimed at the folk obviously that become I'm assuming that struggle with some stuff yes um, but I, am, I, I, I I enjoyed all I suppose I think I enjoyed all classes maybe say maths was the one that I really struggled with but I kind of gave my best bash at the majority of them until I maybe got to kind of fifth, sixth year and I, I started to get a little bit lazy. 
The um, maths was a night. Maths was a nightmare. Actually, I've hats off to people who do maths and physics and stuff. Because oh my goodness, I'm the same as you, probably in that sense. Arts and social sciences and modern studies. You you could always. I think you could always. I always remember someone saying you could always get a half decent grade, if not an A, if you just read the the newspaper on the day of the exam. Probably, probably like. It's amazing. I, I wouldn't have read newspapers probably back then. I, I, it would have been when I got to maybe fifth, sixth year that I started to read newspapers probably. And even at that, it would have been reading the the tabloids. It wouldn't have been reading any of the broadsheets. It wouldn't have been reading the heralds. It wouldn't have been re- getting the times and reading that or anything. So I probably wasn't informing myself enough. But I suppose you can still for the tabloids. You can get enough. Do you now read the broadsheets? No, nah, I don't. Because the kids, we ask the kids when they're doing English tuition to read broadsheets. Aye. To read it, tab, te- telegraph in the paper. It makes sense, obviously, that they would do that. But no, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't read any papers now, and I, I don't know why. To be honest with you, I, I wonder whether it's maybe just my experience of maybe working within papers a little bit, um, but more so just feeling like society, or at least my age anyway. It seems like society's moved beyond getting their news from newspapers. Yeah, definitely. And um, I, when I get any of my news, it's reading it online, reading it on Twitter. It's going to the websites that I would regularly visit. Like that's that's where I tend to find the majority of my information's coming from. But suppose when you're thinking about just learning better, kind of more basic English, um, or getting a better understanding of 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 good English, reading the newspapers or at least the ta- uh, the sorry the broadsheets would be better. And then definitely. reading probably books more as well. I don't read enough yeah, books, definitely. and I've always I've always thought that. There's a couple of points coming out of that actually, which because obviously I still tutor English, but the level of English now for kids is not very good. No. No compared with probably our generation because they don't it's precisely because they're getting all their information from English that isn't really well written yep um, on things like for example Twitter so or not Twitter maybe not Twitter see just like, like their pals and Facebook if you're constantly on your phone yep um, and I do put that down to the internet aye I no, do no and I know I get that I, I kind of agree with that as well that we and I've had experience in my you know I'm only 28 but I've been doing what I've been doing for about seven, eight years in different kind of capacities, working in the in the in the journalism industry, I suppose, or the writing industry. I don't know, but you definitely do find that you see people that will be at the beginning of it, and I was like this at the beginning of it. You know, Facebook memories is a very interesting thing. That when my yeah. Facebook memories pop up from eight, nine, ten years ago, some of the stuff I was writing and the way that I was writing it Mental. was I crazy. Feel like, I feel like even more of a roaster than I am. Crazy. When I look at my Facebook memories. And I think a lot of it is just if you're gonna improve, if you're gonna improve the basics of your English, you know, like even simple things like writing you you are or you apostrophe r e yeah. rather than writing your y o u r. And that was something that when I was probably up till nineteen twenty, I would still. And it's probably more just laziness than anything. And it took me going, right, I'm going to properly work at it. I had a big brother that was quite big on making sure that we, we like, you know, we sent messages to him. It makes him sound dead boring, but it's not. Like, sent messages to him or, or e- more so emails would work. If he would notice stuff like, look, you need to write did there rather than done. It's very important. You know, and I felt like that was quite a good education for me yep. to then get it. And, and I, I've always since then been, I think, anyway a bit of a stickler for, for just writing properly, regardless of the the situation I'm in. If I'm texting you, or I'm texting boys from football, or I'm, I'm texting my, my fiancé or my mum, I'll make sure that I write out messages properly, rather than trying to shorten them and, and put them into kind of text language, I suppose. Really interesting point, that. And that's, I, I completely agree, I do the same. I really, yeah. really do. And I actually, I actually get great 
this does sound a bit boring, but I do get great enjoyment out of making sure it's punctuated properly and so on. I, th- I do think that is something that's got to proper English has got to be saved. You know, it made me laugh. You say that. I'm I'm sure I looked at a message <laughs> from you. Um, a couple of when was it earlier on? Uh, I looked at a message from you and I thought that I was like, "There's a good." I, I like your messages, Tony, because there's a good mix between uh, making it appealing to the uh, the the strictly Scottish speaker. Probably, yeah. I'm thinking more of our football team. We've got a quite an eclectic mix of people in yeah. there, and uh, your messages they can appeal to people like me who maybe are a wee bit more aware of better English language and yeah. folk that aren't no, I like yeah, how you strike that nice balance there Tony I, I, I know that's deliberate thank you very much <laughs> anyway, this, anyway this podcast I've you Tony but thank you very much I appreciate that the um, the next to lead on that was that's interesting that, but definitely the next question I was going to ask was regards the most and th- this is kind of tying in with the football because you were a football player yep. who did you play for? I played with Falkirk between about 11 and Seven, seventeen, eight. No, I think seventeen. Basically, I left school after fifth year to go full time with Falkirk. Lasted about two months or something like that. What just, happened? I just didn't. I just didn't really. I, I loved it. Like there was no question of like fitting in or anything like that because the boys that went full time with me were all guys that I'd played with for like six, seven years. Good mates, like guys that I I knew really, really well for being really young. So it was nothing to do with fitting in or anything. Like that. I just struggled with the. I just struggled with full time football. I suppose like. We had quite a strict under-19s manager at the time and I found it quite, or at least I thought he was strict and I found it quite difficult under him. Uh, pre-season was obviously quite tough. I'd always had something in kind of the back of my mind. My brother Nicky had played with Falkirk as well before then. He had been full-time. I think he'd been re- released a year before I got offered my deal and even when we got, I got offered my deal, a wee bit of me was like, you know, do I want to? You know, I saw what happened, like what yeah. it was like for Nicky after he, he didn't get a first-team deal there and I thought, do I really want to, you know, do I want to go through that? Do I feel like it will be held? Because the first team manager was John Hughes at the time, so he was the first team manager that released decision was not to take Nicky up to the first team, and also he was the first team manager when I stepped up to be a 19s player. So I thought, is that going to be, you know, is there going to be some sort of crossover there? Is he going to be aware that I'm Nicky Boyle's wee brother and maybe hold, not hold something against me? But I, I don't know, when you're young, you yeah. just have all these sort of thoughts. And I, we, went, we had a, a trip away to Czech Republic with the team, and it just was, I had one bad game, didn't really react very well to the way that the manager tried to improve improve me, I suppose, um, without going into sort of too many details about it. And then after the, the days after, it was more just kind of, of feeling a little bit more down and feeling like, you know, I'm not sure I'm really, I really want to do this. And in hindsight, I probably wish I hadn't given it up so quickly. I know obviously the, like, I, I like the fact that I do what I do now and all of that and I've, I've enjoyed my last like 10 years of my life I suppose what I've been doing but I would have liked to have given it a proper go because now with a bit more experience I realise that tons of people have like the setbacks in some way that was probably the first setback professionally anyway in my life and I took it as that's it you know like I'm no I'm, the manager doesn't absolutely love me you know, yeah. and he's and he's maybe he's maybe being quite harsh in the way that he, or I, I feel like he's been a wee bit harsh in the way he's treating me um, and I just took that as that's a setback right that's me I'm done rather than realising you get setbacks all the time and yeah. a week later it could all be forgotten about and you could be the, the next best thing you know and I struggled to kind of mentally realise that I think so left went back to school played school football and signed for Dundee United left Dundee United when I didn't get I, I didn't get a, a 
well, basically, they said we can try and get you a 19s deal here, but I didn't want to move to Dundee. That was a big thing then. You had to get put up in digs in Dundee. And yep. When I went up to the digs in Dundee around kind of weekends and um, holiday weekends and stuff like that, I definitely didn't enjoy it. And it was different then. It was harder to fit in because all the guys had been with each other for years. And then I played the Star Albion, really enjoyed that, and just didn't get a first team deal with them. And, and after that, kind of just decided that it wasn't for me. See, an observation in that, because I'm quite surprised, I suppose because you were young back then with Falkirk, because obviously you alluded to the football team that we play for, but you're a winner on the park, and you're the captain, and you've got a great, by the way, I don't think, this, this isn't necessarily talking about asking about the attitude with Falkirk, but the your attitude's 100% spot on, you drive people on, you want to win, do you, you're a leader, etc. So did, did you learn that then, that wasn't always there, or was that when you were at Falkirk? Uh, look, I think it's, I think definitely it's drummed in. Even when you're at a team like, you know, Falkirk, they aren't, Falkirk then weren't the Falkirk that they are now. You know, they're in League One now, struggling. Their youth setup, I'm, sh- I'm sure, still has been ripped up. Paul yeah. Hartley was part of the, the Falkirk setup that ripped it up. Um, so it's a lot different Falkirk now to when I was there. When I was there, they were on the cusp always of getting promoted to the Premier League. And then when I went full time, they were in the Premiership by then. Um, it's, it was, I think it was always in me growing up. Falkirk had a really good setup, and it was drummed into a little bit. I think I got it more from when I went. I had a year basically when I was back in sixth year when I played. We had a really good school team that won the Scottish Cup. Our ladies. Our ladies won it. Uh, Who was in that team for uh, just in case they're listening? There's no one. Well, there's no one that famous. No one just went on to do anything. But play with our team. I'm trying to think. Danny Cahill was in it. Was he? Huh? Yep. Danny Cahill was in it. Played left wing. Johnny Hammond was in it. Played. Tell I. Johnny played left wing. Danny played right wing. They were like Johnny was amazing. He scored the winner. I'm sure that game. Um, Paddy McCabe was in it, playing right back. A player. Right back. Right back. He played because we had such a good team that he came into a wee bit later, and, and right back was pretty much sticking out. To be fair, he replaced Dunky Carrick. Duncan Carrick played all the way up to the quarterfinals oh. or the semi-finals, whatever it was, and then Paddy came in, took over his spot. Uh, I think that's probably it in terms of guys that you would be aware of. Uh, man, with like big corner boy, like loads of different good players in the team. To bring it back, to bring it back to tying in now, we've we've spoken about school and football. Most motivational uh, role model or te- teacher, or most mo- or it could be a football coach. Who's the most motivational teacher or leader that you've you've been taught by or football? So football wise, my dad. Um, and I, I don't know I kind of don't know how to be honest with you because he didn't really play as far as I know anyway he didn't really play at any sort of level at all I think when he was probably about my age I think he'd been in a bad car crash and wasn't able to play football himself so he ran he came from Moody'sburn and he ran Moody'sburn Amateurs and um, I, I don't know like when I was growing up I think he was, he was quite strict obviously so I think that in itself just pushed me on to, and it was the same with my brothers, pushed us on to want to always impress them and stuff like that. But then when it actually comes to talking about, um, like, teaching us about football and, like, how to play and just wee things to do and that, like, he was, he, I always felt like a lot of the things that I do now that I consider quite intelligent and quite smart and yeah. football savvy, I suppose, I learned from him. So I'd probably say him up until about, or at least for the majority of the time while I took it seriously. Um... And then beyond that, and just my, my, I just, I suppose, my life would probably be my oldest brother, Paul. Purely just from, I think, from an inspiration perspective, like he's 12 years older than me and where he's got to in his career. Actually, his, a very successful business. It's man, always man. been something that we, at least I think me and Nicky, the youngest two of the four, Kieran, who is 
younger than Paul, but older than Nicky, and so he's the third the third brother basically. He's a math teacher, so it's not quite as you know. He he obviously went into maths very early. Did an engineering course at uni, but he went into maths pretty early. And um, I always try to get him to do tutoring, but he's... it wasn't something <laughs> that you know he he didn't really follow Paul's example in terms of. But me and Nicky were definitely more. Business, we wanted to do something in like we are, we are sales in business. You know, Nicky works with Paul now, and he's managed to kind of work up the ladder in there. So I think it's probably Paul from a inspiration perspective, and then he's been really good on just making me aware of some basic kind of simple business things that I should really be aware of. And even till you know now, like only it was only like a month, two months ago or something like that. You know, I'm talking to him about something pretty important with our work and. And he's telling me things that are pretty basic that I should be aware of, and and I feel like if I didn't have that, I would I would kind of struggle. I would kind of struggle with things. And then going on to the now moving on to the professional side of things. Um, so you then you go into journalism. You worked for a bit for the Sun. Mm. So I, I worked at the I worked at the when I went to college basically. Funnily enough, the the record started a feature called Talking Buzz when we had already started Talking Buzz. Right. And I was like, it's a wee bit cheeky, wee bit wee bit wide. In hindsight now, I probably wouldn't have sent the email, I'd have known the way that journalism is and all of that, but sent the email to them to say, look, we do this, any chance you can change the name of it. What do you mean the way, the, the way journalism no, is? No, well, so it's not, like, it's not like I've been taught any sort of like example or anything, but it's a small, in Scotland anyway, it's a fairly kind of small industry, okay. and everybody kind of knows everyone, and, I, and it could have very easily went for me back then, that after sending the email that I sent, almost kind of chinning the record, um, they could have turned around and said to me, oh well, you know, we're not interested in Johnny Boyle anymore. Like we'll blacklist. They wouldn't do it, but you know, some per- one person talks to another person, talks to another yeah. person, talks to another person. And then all of a sudden, it looks like Johnny Boyle, who this is, is this aspiring reporter, aspiring aspiring journalist, is digging up people for the work that they're doing and stuff like that. Where all I was really doing was, you know, we had created Talking Boys. It had been out there for a while, but we saw a Talking Boys feature appear on the record, and, and it was I think it was online, and we just said, look, any chance you can change it because, you know, people then think that maybe we are doing what you're doing or you're us or you know I don't know it would just it just it would be good if you could change it and they were nice as anything the the guy who was in charge of setting up the digital team at the records got in touch and says look Johnny really sorry we're going to change it do you fancy coming in and meeting that lady doing some shifts at the records then the sun created so the created their, like started basically their digital team from scratch about five six years ago I think it was and this is one thing that I've always, and it's probably the first time I've ever spoke about it. I've spoke about it in private. Like I'm very aware of the reputation the Sun's got. I was less aware back when I started, but I was obviously still aware. And when I back when I started, it was more. I went in working with a pal doing it. Um, it was a new setup of a team. More more significant than anything, it was good money, and and I struggle to you know people will say oh money and all that like you know, your morals are more important and stuff like that, but, you know, sometimes they aren't for, for me, like, sometimes money is an important thing, like, I didn't grow up, like, I, I grew up fine, you know, but I didn't grow up with tons of money and anything like that, and it got to a point when I was about, you know, 20, 21, where I had to properly get my finger out and start to be able to support the people that are in my life, and, and I felt like, you know, that was a good opportunity. After being there, you know, it was a fine place to work, but after being there for a certain amount of time, I kind of felt like, obviously, Totten Boys was something that I wanted to go and pursue but also I just was the cut out for the tabloid reporter kind of lifestyle you know I was just a digital journalist so I was just building basically just building stories it was it was a fairly relatively simple job the majority of the time um 
but I was like, yeah, you know, there's people that would be there for like 20, 30, 40 years sometimes in, in the papers, and quite a lot of those sort of people, and I was like, I just don't really want to be like that, you know, and I certainly don't want to be like that at a, at a newspaper, and I, and I now, you know, I don't know what will happen with Talking Buzz in the future, but if ever the opportunity came to go back to a paper, I wouldn't do it, I don't think I would do it anyway. Yeah. Um, so worked there, and then I after leaving there, started sort of properly took kind of talking boys to I suppose where it is now so yeah and where it is is obviously you've got the website um, and maybe got some of the numbers that you guys do but you've got the website I'm just looking around the office I mean everything I've, I mean you said about no, no no notes but I don't need notes because as I say I feel as if I've known it because obviously my nephew works works yep. with you yep. um, and everything from the mugs the mugs are fantastic uh, we've got about six of them up in our office <laughs> for, the, for the other business um, you've obviously got the website we did the interviewing outside Celtic Park and yep. Ibrooks as well yep. um, I'm just leaving, giving this a kind of broad canvas to kind of talk maybe about your numbers how you got to where you got to and what the future is so I always I need to properly actually look at this but I always struggle to remember when when exactly we started it because when we started it it was really just a it was an avenue for me it was like an online blog for me alone to showcase my writing really it, and it was with a view to getting into college so I'd applied so I'd been at uni already uh, doing a course that I probably shouldn't have done I did it through clearing so it goes back to my fifth and sixth year results that just weren't quite good enough to get into what I wanted to do so I ended up going through clearing to do a sports course sport and physical activity course it was at Strathclyde didn't really apply myself enough at it, so it came out in the third year. I, I, I got out a third year with a diploma, basically, so not a, an honours or, or not a BA or whatever it was. Um, and I was left, left kind of scratching around going, right, what am I going to do next? So I did a year of just working while doing that. I thought, right, I'll start a blog. And I got a really good, you know, I need to give kind of props to a guy called Vinnie Brownlow. I don't know if you know him, but he's I a... I know the name. He's a like Dead Man Fall, one of the bands. I've got a couple of coming old guys in it, and he's one of the... Uh, I think he's the bass player in it. He's a good mate of mine. And I just remember speaking to him, and I was like saying, you know, try to think of a name for this, try to think of a name of this. And he was like, why not just call it Talking Boz? And I was like, right, that's it, we'll call it Talking Boz. It's a brilliant name. So it started is just to help me get into college. I got into college. Um, and then obviously all that stuff happened with the records and, and where I ended up afterwards. And then it took maybe about six years ago or something like that to change the way that I did it. And and it was it went from being like a strictly kind of football features site to being a football or, or like a sports news and features site with a real focus on everything being like short and shareable. And um, so we managed to do that quite well. I went to college with a couple, like three guys who came in and did brilliant to... Um, to kind of take it to that other level, you know, loads of regular content. That was at a point where we could do a load of regular content. It's quite different now, you know, for, for them at least anyway. But um, we started getting more and more and more and more and more content out. Took a little bit of a break while I worked because it was just difficult to juggle everything. And then I thought, right, let's get right back on it and just kept doing more and more and more and more and more stuff. And then we're lucky enough to get a wee bit of investment and it allowed myself and Daniel, obviously your nephew, to... Um, go full-time and we've been full-time for I think now it's probably going on it might even be four years now actually just past four years and it's been an amazing four years that you just brought up some of the stuff like that we've done I'd, I'd, I'm always quite proud of the fact that you know there's stuff that we've done that we don't do anymore and there's loads of reasons for that you know the, the interviews outside Celtic and Ibrox, Celtic yep. Park and Ibrox and other SPFL grounds 
is something that I loved and I thought there was definite and I still think there's definite value in. No, I was speaking to someone about it the other day actually. But I definitely still think there's value in it, but it was just getting the consistent delivery of it from you know an editing perspective for us was difficult. A technology perspective, you'll know that very well. Yeah. That when you're out there, sometimes the technology would fail on you. It maybe wasn't the best. It would, be a, it would be a windy yeah. night. It would be a rainy night. You know, all of those things kind of show that. Like that's why when BBC do it or when Sky Sports do it or whatever, you know, there's big production behind all of this stuff. And um, yeah, but I'm quite proud of the fact that we've always tried to do new things. We've always tried to do things that we've enjoyed doing. And like I said, whether they've worked or whether they've not, I'm glad that we kind of gave it a bash. So. That's how we got to here. Numbers-wise, the website isn't as big a priority for us just now, or, or or hasn't been as big a priority for us recently as our podcast is, as our social stuff is. You know, we do a lot of stuff with Labrooks being one of our main partners. We have a couple of other partners that have just joined, some other people that we're speaking to about joining. Um, but really just now, like, we see ourselves more as, like, a kind of social brand. So that's why we're trying to do a lot more on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, particularly Instagram, because of the numbers we've got there. So... Yeah, over 40,000. So 5.8. Accumulated, it's it's about 120,000 all in Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. I think it's about 45 or something like that on Facebook. It's 40 on Instagram and on Twitter it's about 7 and a bit. We were at about 20 and a bit, but we ran into some problems that date back to when we first started the Twitter page that just got up with us. Um, but I like it. Look, it's a really enjoyable job for me. I think people get value from what it is that we do, and it's just about trying to add to that, just trying to do more and more. Um, the I was going to say regarding the... Oh, we were talking What you were talking about... Um, so, so, with regards to the future and where it's going to go, mm, sorry, where, I do you, actually... where do you see it in five years? Hopefully, I've sold it in really? five years. Now, I don't know. Like, I suppose I do always think about like what what will It's more so like Daniel and I. I suppose if we are the ones that are full time at it just now, like what will our long term lives be like? And um, you know, it's something that we had thought about doing actually not that long ago. Uh, and spoke to some people about and it just didn't really ever materialise the way that we kind of maybe thought it would or people thought it would but um, you know I suppose if, if Totten Boys is still I, I want Totten Boys to still be going whether I'm involved with it or not I don't know but um, I hope I'm still involved with it I hope it's still going strong I hope it's just like a it's a, it's a sports brand particularly in Scotland and potentially in Britain as well that's engaged with people and and has not just a big audience but has that engaged kind of passionate audience there and has helped shape the kind of conversation in Scottish sport Scottish football but British sport as well um, and now it'll be tough to do that because it's always been a plan for us to do more you know not just do football do rugby do American sports do cricket we're trying to do a little bit more golf now and stuff like that but you know you just run into problems we're trying to do too much we're a yeah. little team and um, I think the older I get the more I'm realising you focus on one if you if you're a busy you end up becoming a busy fool if you're trying to do too much. Exactly, and that's something I think that we've fell into the trap of doing, particularly over the first couple of years when we were uh, when we went full time. I think, but recently we've done a lot more. We've we've spoken a lot more about just drilling down into what we're good at and continuing to do yeah. it. You know, and, and what we're good at is particularly covering Scottish football and covering and I kind of satirical throwaway funny. I think hopefully. Yeah. Um, trivial kind of way and, and giving a different voice to I suppose what the papers are doing which is kind of more straight coverage of you know what players moving where and 
you know, more can be making a controversial story sometimes. Because hopefully what we're doing with the brand, at least anyway, is it's something that people, you know, you've got like Scottish Patter and a lot of those kind of places online or brands online who are tapping into just that Scottish fun nonsense perspective on life. What we are hoping to do is, or what we think we're, we're hopefully doing is, is um, is doing that, applying that to kind of sport. Yeah. And um, not taking it just too be doing, seriously. It would just be doing more. I think just doing more, not taking ourselves too seriously, but just doing more, more podcasts, more social content. Again, just contributing more to the conversation in Scottish football and, and and people enjoying Scottish football and Scottish sport. So that's what I see it getting to. It could take a lot. I, I'm, I'm saying that that's what the aim is but it'll I'm sure look a lot different because the way that the website and the way that the brand looks just now compared to what it looked like four years ago when we started full time is a lot different and the aim that I had for it is a lot different to how it's actually ended up so I've got absolutely no doubt that it's probably going to be a lot different to how I say You find yourself when you're on a journey if there's any aspiring you know because there's kids out there that are not going to go down the academic route might be a bit more entrepreneurial which I suppose to all intents and purposes you and I are you could argue um, and you find that with Edgy Camus for example as well where you think it's going to go when you start the journey things happen and you end up off in all sorts of different directions you need to, you need to, I, I think anyway like you always need to kind of embrace the fact that there's a lot of opportunities that you get that are by chance and but they come, that's the definitely but they come about because of you've started it so I, because you've started out in the road oh no of course I you need, you need to start out in the road but I'm more meaning like the reason I say that is because I think a lot of things come up by chance that maybe people don't take like they don't grasp that opportunity because they feel like you know I've got a plan and my plan right. is taking me in another direction and I'm going to stick to that and that's good and there's a lot of successful people I think anyway there's a lot of people that are a lot of podcasts I listen to like business podcasts I listen to and examples of people that have got that have succeeded in whatever business they've, they've or business they've went down but there's a lot of them that also say that when they've been presented with an opportunity that maybe didn't expect or one that maybe didn't quite fit with what it is that they were doing they at least ran with it and saw yeah. you know saw what it could be and it, it ended up being something that like the best ideas that we've had, like the best ideas that we've ended up, um, and the and the things that we probably rely on, um, more now as a business and as a as a brand, came up by chance. I think you know, yeah. like there's a lot of things that we kind of just stumbled into doing that I think could, be, and there's th- some things that are coming up for us over the next like six months that really have, we've just kind of stumbled into by chance that um, I hope will end up being the kind of backbone of us as a business and. Um, and I, it's it's interesting how it all, all kind of comes about, but you know the I don't you have work, the, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Yeah, like I, I would say, I, I've got, I've I've been guilty in the past of just getting too complicated with things. I think, both plan wise, maybe not being organised enough. You know, just as a bit of chaos and has been involved in building the the brand to this point now. But recently, we've just kind of simplified a lot of things. We've got simple aims. We've got simple ways of working. We don't try to do too much. And um and I feel like that's why we're getting a little bit more joy recently with the kind of things that we want to do, maybe compared to what we were doing a year ago or two two years ago. Just a couple more questions, Johnny. Um the I mean a lot of people, whether they like to admit it or not, would love to have the opportunity to go viral. <laughs> and a lot of people are whether subconsciously or deliberately trying to do it with uh, with their content. What was it must have been some buzz the first time you realised this is going somewhere? What right. do you remember what the article was that whether it be in the form of retweets, likes, whatever, and did you get how how did it feel? Oh man, it's I there's there's definitely a there's a 
buzz and everyone who works in a similar in, in this industry I suppose in a similar position you know whether they're just writing stories or whether they're kind of doing what Daniel and I do which is curating a lot more stuff and um, and having a brand attached to us that can that can help give us like not that not that virality but at least have people engaged in it and quite have, have quite a lot of numbers in it and stuff like that. Um, there did, is that. There is a member one. Sorry, interrupted. Member one. There's a buzz there, and I think probably the first time I ever felt it was when you know I, I name checked him two minutes ago, but that Vinnie Brownlow, mate, who and we were a football features site, and I think it was moments like this that made me always go right. I'm going to continue this, and I'm going to continue this. It would have been easy to give up, I think, talking boys, because a lot of people that have created similar kind of blogs and, and websites to talking boys who have given them up, but. We, when we were a football features site at the very, very, very beginning, the site was a shambles, an absolute shambles, so basic, it was just built by me, it was just WordPress built by me, it was a shambles, but Vinny is a really good writer and he's written stuff up until very recently actually, he wrote something as well for us, and um, he wrote a football memory which was basically him as a kid playing Subutio in his room, and he's a big Liverpool fan, Vinny, and he had like the red Subutio players for uh, like maybe John Barnes and Ian Rush and all that. That was the big players when he was growing up. He's a wee bit older than me. Oh, he's a good bit older than me. Um, and he always he just tells a brilliant story about how he was in Dreamland playing Subutio, absolutely loving it. His mum had just told him that he's getting lunch. It was like a two pieces and ham and cheese or whatever it was and then she walks in to deliver it he's absolutely delighted stops playing his game eats his food goes back to his game then realises there's been a catastrophe and one of the players has been smashed you know how to put players yep. can he's easily be, break yep. and it was his mum had walked in and it's just no, the story no. of his mum walking in and giving him his lunch but as she did it she stood with a big slipper on uh, John Barnes and killed John Barnes <laughs> and the story was called The Death of John Barnes and it was <laughs> It went really well like online and it led to the point where Liverpool, back then anyway, this, this honestly would have been about maybe six, seven years ago, but um, Liverpool picked it up and actually featured it on their official site and we were getting tons of people coming through to our site, Vinny was getting a load of reaction and I think ever since then, Vinny's had a little bit of a kind of bug for sharing his memories about football, the one he did recently for us was a... Uh, about his first ever game of football, his debut in, in Scottish football, and it's really interesting, particularly if you come from Camunnold. And uh, and I, that was the first time that we got a little bit of virality, and the first time that I felt like it's like you almost kind of chase it afterwards, like a drug. That is brilliant. The um, because one of the things about anything you're trying to write is all about being able to re- people can relate to it. Aye. And that when you were telling it, I mean, that brings back floods. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a beautiful play. I'd see beautiful up in the loft in my house. That whenever a player get broken, and sometimes I would do it deliberately, but they would become the wingers Aye. because my thought process was they're quicker because they didn't have the Aye. they weren't they didn't have the body, <laughs> so you would just flick them. You know, they'd be you're straight. a winger. So you've got the body. Well, I do. If I was to beat, I'd have no body. I would just be a wee <laughs> a wee round thing because they became the wingers So, um, but it's amazing. That's that's what it's all about. It's been able. To, I think as soon as you can relate to something. You get that set, you've cracked well, it. We don't do enough of that, and we always find that when you add a bit of nostalgia into some of the content that we put out, whether it's stories, you know, yesterday we put something out on Instagram, which was purely just um, a picture of the 2006-2007 Hearts home top at a time when Vladimir Romanov would have been the Hearts chairman, chief executive, owner, right, owner, I think. And, uh, and Hearts had George Burley as manager, I think, that season, and they had Jankowskis playing with them, I think. Mikhail Yunus. 
They had tons of quality players, particularly Lithuanian players as well. Roman Bednar, I think, played in at that time, and there was a, I think there was a point in that season where they thought they were maybe going to win the league. And, uh, and the, rea- the reaction you get from people to those posts, both Hearts fans and not Hearts fans, is brilliant. And I think there definitely is something. I don't know whether it's a Scottish thing or whether it's just a sports kind of football thing, but people love to look back on like better times, I suppose, and, and good times in the past. And we don't do enough of that. Again, whether it's stories or posts or podcasts, you know, it's something that we're going to maybe introduce podcast-wise going down the line. But um, aye, we always get a bit of a buzz off that sort of stuff, so that always does well. And final question, just um, ending a light-hearted note. I mean, you must get some people writing in you. You must get some, obviously... Some nonsense. Yeah, aye. What are some of the accusations that have been levelled at yourself, talking boys, or not even not even so much that is... is because at the end of the day, they're still interacting with you. They're yep. still they're still visiting yep. your site, but there must be some mad claims. That you've so like, it doesn't bother me really at all. You know, I, I, if, if anything, the only time that I really get alerted to people sending in nonsense is when my pals will message me saying like, "What about this guy?" You know. Yeah. Recently, we've been trying to push a lot more talking golf stuff, and we've created talking boys on or talking golf on Instagram and on Twitter, and we're trying to take. The golf fans that we've maybe got on Totten Boz and send them over to the golf page and, and say, look, if you want specific golf stuff, then you can go there for it, which I think is is fine. It's stu- it would be stupid for us not to have built the or for us to have built the audience through Totten Boz and not try to to push them over onto different uh, dedicated brands for us. You know, Totten Golf, Totten Tennis, you know, in the future potentially Totten Tennis, Totten Rugby, Totten Cricket, blah blah blah. Um, so that's what we've been trying to do so when we've been putting out say like golf stuff on the Talking Boz account literally you're talking about maybe one every two or three days but the amount of comments that you would get back to people saying eh, gonna effing stop posting this this is for the effing the, the Talking Golf page what did you create the Talking Golf page for if you're gonna just post it here and like it's water off a duck's back to me because I'm like you know we're gonna do it regardless you know there's only a, we've got 48,000 followers there and you're talking about maybe four or five people but it's weird how that four or five people can break through and make a kind of impact on on at least some people. My opinion has always been that there's going to be people that are going to disagree with what we do, that aren't going to be keen on what we do. They're going to tell us that vocally. But who cares? Like, if I was to be bothered by everything that everyone said, the only time it ever bothers me when I see it is when people are fundamentally saying things that are untrue or when they get personal. And, you know, like, we don't put ourselves out there as pers- as people, Daniel and I, apart from really on the podcast. Yeah. So if you listen to the podcast and you come at us personally, then I don't really mind that. But if they accuse us of lying or, you know, accusing us of being biased to a particular team or whatever, that, that stuff can annoy sometimes, but really, it doesn't really bother me. So we get a bit of that with the golf stuff and then we obviously get the old one, you're a Celtic fan page, you're a Rangers fan page. And I have no problem admitting if people were to ask me, like, who do you support? I'm a Celtic fan. I was going to ask you that as the final sign No, I didn't think you'd tell it. Really. No, like, I'm a, I'm a Celtic fan and, and I don't have any problem telling, pe- like, telling people it, but my opinion on my work is it's my work. And if I wouldn't be able to do it, I don't think I'd be able to do it properly if I was to let any sort of personal feelings about Celtic influence whether we cover Celtic more or we cover Rangers more or whatever. I think my combat or, or the way I've responded to at least pals saying stuff like this in the past has always been like, you know, look at Rangers for example over the last like five, six, seven years. What has there been positive to say about them? It's not been an awful lot of positives mm. in comparison to Celtic anyway. Look at the last three seasons, Celtic have won every domestic trophy. Yeah. 
There's been positive times in there for Rangers, but nowhere near as many. So I think it's only natural that you're then going to see the brand talk about Celtic more because Celtic are doing more. You know, they're in Champions yeah. League every season or but they have been at least qualifying or, or in the qualifiers every yeah. season. So I it's it's if people want like I think it's Rangers and Celtic fans in particular who are so like like can't it's take life. they just can't take the spectacles off. They can't take yeah. those tinted spectacles off. They relate it to themselves and they think if that was me I would never be able to say something positive about Rangers or I would never be able to um not show that I'm biased towards Celtic or towards Rangers. And I just my combat to that is just that that's not how I see it. Like it's my job. At the end of the day it's what puts food on the table for me and it makes absolutely zero sense for us not to approach it from a neutral perspective. So I get people will be like, oh, but subconsciously, you know, but it's not. Like, we we go over and above to make sure that we are given the coverage, the overall consistent coverage that we should be given as a Scottish football brand. And um, whether I support Celtic, whether I support Rangers, whether I... This is the funny thing that I always find interesting. You'll get reporters and journalists out there who will say that they're Sitmarin fans, or they'll say that they're Clyde fans, or they'll say that they're Arbroath fans and stuff. I'm like, well, why does that... Like, why is that all right? If, it, if there's a taboo subject, if you can't be honest about it, why is it alright to say you're a St. Murn fan or an Arbro fan or whatever? You know what I mean? It's no... What do you mean? That's just, not the team they support, they're just saying that? No, well, so I'm, I'm assuming there probably are some out right. there that they don't they don't support those teams, but they just say it. But I'm like, well, why is it alright to just say it? Why is it alright to just say you're an Arbro and Clyde fan, but why is it not alright to say you're a Celtic oh, or Rangers okay. fan? Okay. I, feel like, I, I feel like people, I hope anyway, would respect me more for saying I'm a Celtic fan. And... Um, but I do my I do my absolute best to make sure that Tottenham Boys meets the demands of every fan that's out there, regardless of what club they support. So people can make their own mind up about whether they actually believe that or not. You know what I I do or what I think personally doesn't reflect the way that Tottenham Boys acts as a brand or acts as a business and. It, it, it doesn't annoy me because I'm like if people want to say that I'm biased towards a certain team they can say it all they want but they don't truthfully know how I feel in my head and the way that I feel in my head is I care when I wake up in the morning I don't think I wonder what Celtic are going to do today no. I wonder what the Celtic result is going to be it's going to be am I, how am I going to go about making Talking Boys the business that I want to run and put the food on the table for my family and, and get me to the point in my life where I feel comfortable you know with the amount of money I earn or with the job satisfaction that I've got like Celtic is an af- is a few afterthoughts yeah. after that and so are Rangers and so are the rest of the teams in Scotland so it's about me and about the business that we're trying to run and who we support or, or any personal affinity doesn't doesn't matter something I've wanted to go off my chest and this gives me the opportunity there's an element now so people need to sometimes get a life as well Aye. because my, my, before anyone takes offence my dad is the number one culprit all he talks about no all he talks about every time we meet is Celtic <laughs> yeah. and to the point I've said to him mum change your record it's his life Aye. God love him but it is it's his life and but then he gets annoyed at me as if I'm the one because I'm the one to talk about Celtic 24-7 he's like you know I'm the one what's your issue like, it's, no, it's no the be all and end all no, it's but, not. but it is I mean it is very important in people's lives but that's the thing and I appreciate that because part of what fuels the engagement around Tottenham Boys, parts of part of what fuels the conversation that we get, the numbers that we get are yeah. passionate Celtic and Rangers fans. Yeah. But it's when the passion becomes something more sinister and and there's a lot of accusations fly around, particularly for people and we don't get it a lot, that's the thing, we don't get this a lot. 
We, we absolutely do not get this a lot. We don't get fans really saying to us, you know, we get it very occasionally, fans saying we're biased to a certain team or whatever, you know, but, and it doesn't, it doesn't bother me, I'm pretty sure it's, it's water off a duck's back to Daniel, it's water off a duck's back to anyone else that's involved, because that's the thing, it's, Daniel and I are full time, but we've got, you know, guys like yourself, who will chip in from time to time yeah. doing things, we've got Kieran Wallace, who's a, a, runs Rangers newsfeed, who's a Rangers fan, who's a good mate of ours, who, We'll get involved from time to time. We've got Stuart that runs the website who supports a certain team. Connor who helps run the website supports a certain team. Scott who runs the website supports a different team. Neil Day who helps out from time to time supports a different team. Vinny who helps from time to time supports Liverpool. Like oh, yeah. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. And I think if we were to nail our colours to the mast in any way, the guys who help us would be like, I'm not interested in helping you anymore. Yep. You know, but you just get some people out there who I think can't help but deflect and it happens a lot when their team isn't doing well in particular but for me <clears throat> what I care about is talking about appealing to as many people as it possibly can and there's nothing that I'm ever going to do that I, I know for a fact there's nothing I've done and anything that I'm going to do that's going to compromise that for anyone so if people want to label any abuse that is whatever it's something that I think anyone who runs a website or runs any sort of brand online you'll find it probably with Educamus yeah, yeah. at times or in the future as well but I don't care. I don't know these for a lot of them I don't know these people. I'll probably never meet them face to face either, so I couldn't really care. No. And on that note, um thank you very, very much. Um for anyone for anyone out there, um give Edgy Camus interview. That's uh, Edgy Camus interview a like on Facebook and obviously the Edgy Camus website is edgycamus.co.uk tuition for anyone, anytime, anywhere and anything. Thank you very much, Johnny. No problem, Tony, really cheers for having us on, mate. Have a great day. Cheers guys. Edgycamus interview aims to inspire, motivate, enlighten, and of course educate the youth of today for the days of tomorrow.